0: Okay, hello, welcome to episode 194 of Sack Kings Therapy. Uh, in this episode, we're going to do- go back to you know draft prospects. And this episode, lots of defense. Uh, we talking defense here. And yeah, and of course, to talk with me uh, about these prospects, we have Fong. Hello. So, as I mentioned, we're talking a lot of defense today. And these are guys that like they have flashes offensively and like they're very intriguing, like on offense. But what they're what they're known for and why they're relatively, you know, in the lottery range for the most part is because of their defense. And let's start with a a guy that has, you know, his initials are D&D. So let's start with Dyson Daniels. What what was your first thought watching just the clips of him?
1: Well, I mean, other than, you know, like you said, his defense, <laughs> uh, he has pretty good size. He's six-seven with a 6'11 uh, wingspan. Uh, he has a pretty nice folder game. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Whatchamacallit, I don't know uh, how much you will be utilizing in this uh, if he were to be drafted in the Kings. But other than his defense, his playmaking looks pretty polished, in my opinion.
0: Yes. And uh, this goes without being said, these guys are going to be trade down candidates. We're not drafting enough for a lot. A lot of it is because of the offensive questions. But you mentioned the uh, the the floater. I, re- I do like the floater. I think that's going to be a thing. The only issue I have with him. But before actually, you know, before we get to that, let's stick to the positives first. So let's start with the positives. Great. He has great size, as you mentioned, six, seven with a six eleven wingspan can likely defend twos, two through four, and perhaps even some ones probably doesn't have the size to guard fives, but that's fine. Like, you know, if you can guard two through four, that's good enough for me. Um, great energy, you know, again, six eleven wingspan uses that on ball length or that length on ball very well, and can stick to ball handlers, like, like glue basically, and uses length to essentially almost shield the basket away from the uh, offensive player. Really just like talented on that end is how I describe it,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm no expert on defense, but just uh, I test you know with his college highlights, D- G League Ignite, G League, G League Ignite. I, geez, for some reason, I got him mixed up with uh, the LSU prospect who's coming up next, but uh, yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, well, he was the one that went straight to the G League uh, from high school, right.
0: Yeah, I believe he's from Australia, if I remember right. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know the. De- I don't remember the details, but yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, looking at his defense, I mean, his defense against a G League team, which I mean, I guess you could say is comparable to college. I guess uh, looks really nice, and uh, I would like to see how it would translate in the NBA, since you know, he's been only in the G League uh, for I'm gonna guess a year then
0: yeah about a year i do remember hearing his name before um Mm -hmm. again i don't watch the ignite just like there's only so many hours in the in the day and uh you know kings take up a good portion of the time wrestling takes up, you know just life in general takes up a lot of time i'm not watching g league ignite clips nor am i watching college basketball but yes uh from what i've seen from the clips that i saw of mostly on hoop intellect not gonna not gonna front there Um, just everything I've seen, just great feel on defense. Just, you know, he, he's, he's a good help defender. He's a good on-ball defender and, you know, he's good at getting into the back, into the passing lanes. He's just overall a a terrific defender in my book.
1: Mm -hmm. And with his size, I mean, it's kind of like the guy that we need, right?
0: In a way. Yes. On the defensive end. Sure. With the number four pick, probably not. And the reason why he's not worth the number four pick. Let's get to it. His offense. Now we talked about his passing. It's very, very, very good. Like he reminds me of Josh Giddy in a way, like, you know, from last draft, just like the ability to create on ball and just like the way he's able to kind of read like two or three steps ahead. And, you know, and also like he can also be a what I call a connector pass, like basically like someone creates an opening. And because he reads one or two steps ahead, he already knows like who is open when the ball gets to him and just touch passes it. He, he reminds me a lot of like Lonzo ball in that way. And you know, Lonzo's a good comparison for him just because Lonzo's a, a terrific defender, a great passer, but like Lonzo, not a great creator, unfortunately. And that is unfortunately what holds him back from being fourth pick.
1: Yeah. His handles. I mean, it's okay in my opinion. It's Uh,
0: functional is what I mm, I describe it as.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's also not the quickest. I mean, we're not talking about Fox here, but uh, uh, he does get stuck in traffic in uh, some certain uh, circumstances uh, when he does try to self-create. But I mean, when it comes to, you know, I guess NBA defense, it all depends on who you're going against. And You know, as long as he has a floater game, I'd say he should be just fine.
0: I'm not saying he is like Kyle Anderson, but it's somewhere in like in the ballpark of like he's just like a little bit quicker than a Kyle Anderson. Yeah. And he's he's not going to he's not going to blow by you, really. Like his handle isn't he's not a guy that breaks you down, as I mentioned, not a great handle. But like he has a functional handle where, you know, he can dribble for the most part without getting it stolen. Like, you know, give or take a Corey Joseph in a way. He's not gonna blow by you, but you know, he's good at taking care of the ball, at least for the most part, for his age. But because he can't get by guys, he just does not put pressure on the rim like at all. Like, you know, just have a guy play fundamental defense on him, and you're probably gonna be fine. He's just not gonna punish you that way. Um, another reason, uh, he's just not a great offensive prospect, not a very suspect shooting. What did you think of his mechanics?
1: His mechanics in my opinion, well, all right, for the most part. And I liked how he's mentioned Kyle Anderson. His shot is a little slow, but I mean, not Kyle Anderson slow, but just a little too slow for my liking. And uh, for his three-point shooting, I mean, he shot about 30%. So I, I guess you could say it's a work in progress. It can improve in you know, within a few years uh, with some practice. So we'll have to see about that.
0: Yeah, like, it's not Kyle Anderson, but he definitely kind of shoots like him in a way where he definitely pauses before he shoots it. And that's going to just screw that's just going to screw with his percentage like that's just going to be a very inconsistent shot at best. I think the mechanics overall are fine, but he needs to speed up the motion. It is a, it is a slow shot. It is a two motion shot and he's just not going to be consistent, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and if he keeps on those uh, mechanics. um. You mentioned he has a decent floater. Like that is a real thing, but, and he shows great touch on them and like great confidence and, you know, getting to the floater in many ways, like, you know, uh, off a one, two off a hop, like it's definitely going to be part of his game. The issue, unfortunately, is that the floater is just not an efficient shot and that is, that's going to be his only real shot. And I think when he gets in the NBA, and that's just, that basically makes it so he's not going to be efficient scorer at all. When you can't really shoot him three, you can't get to the rim, and the only your only weapon is the floater. Like while it does have good touch, it's not a great sign of things.
1: Yeah, I feel like his offensive game can. I I feel like it can improve if he does you know somehow end with us, uh, with you know Sabonis being you know the. The main playmaker, I'm pretty sure we could find some openings for him in some ways. It's just when it comes to, yeah, shooting, it's going to be a work in progress. Look,
0: the kid is 19. Like, you know, you can never say never with with these kids. But, yeah, as you said, it's going to be a project. It's going to take a while. And I'm just like, you know, again, you, you trade down to, like, say, 10 or so. That's not bad. Yeah. But like let no he is not worth the 4th pick at all yeah and yeah just he he has flashes on, on offense like these things could improve and they might just fix themselves like with you know more spacing like who knows like what what he could do with faster pace and you know talking about pace he's a guy that can push the pace pretty well like he can he grabs rebounds what was it 6.6 rebounds i believe was the stat yeah yeah. 6.6 rebounds. So like, you know, Kings want to play fast. It's good to have a guy that can rebound and immediately throw the ball out again. He Vermont, he is like a picture perfect mirror of Lonzo in that way, you know, good defender pushes the pace really well, you know, throws beautiful, like, you know, uh, full court passes or like, you know, long head to head passes. Like he, he's like Lonzo in that way. And I'll just keep bringing that name up top while talking about him. And you know, like that is, those are good things that are hard to teach. And, you know, he's not going to be a a great offensive player if you're like just having him say ISO or run the pick and roll, but like he has good size and, you know, he has a sneaky, good post game, but the issue is, I don't know how much he's going to be able to utilize that, you know, like there, I, Mm -hmm. are they going to put like a small guy on him all the time? like what if the guy is bigger than him like is Mm -hmm. he going to be able to go to it this is not a lot to look at right now in offense but again he's what 19 i believe he's young so like he has all the all the like potential to improve this is not the and even if he figures it out like is he a star maybe like like maybe and maybe an all-star in a bad year but like he it's he doesn't seem to have a very high ceiling. And mm-hmm. he's not again, it's just not a guy. Like if he's drafted like number 10, maybe like push seven to nine, like it's not bad, but like it's not very inspiring, I guess mm-hmm. would, would be how I would put it.
1: Yeah. Just to end this off, I'm gonna say he's just more of a role player in general. Most likely he's not gonna be the main ball handler. And most likely he's not going to be the primary playmaker. <laughs> so he's more of like the second or third option, or maybe even the fourth option, to be honest, <laughs> and maybe even the fifth, who, who knows? He's, he's not just, he's most likely just going to be playing off the bench, uh, getting some uh, good minutes in defense and uh, making some plays out there pretty much.
0: Yeah, which isn't, that's not a bad thing. Yes. It's it's again, like the Kings have the fourth pick. You're not going to pick him with that fourth pick. If you trade down, like if he's there, I would definitely take a look at him. Like Mm -hmm. he has, he has one thing that the Kings need size wing depth and, you know, defense. And like his defense is terrific. Like a lot of the stuff he does is very hard to teach and definitely comes naturally to him. And that's something like that. The Kings do need. And if they can find a, a trade that makes sense to trade back, like you get, you get like maybe a veteran piece and then you also draft Dyson Daniels. That could be a step towards something. to you know, just to add more wing depth that the Kings desperately need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for kind of crapping on Dyson Daniels as much. I love his defense. Like, like, don't get it twisted. He, oh, he's yeah. a, he's a very, he's a terrific, a terrific player. It's not a guy you draft at four. <laughs> that's not going to be, <laughs> that's not going to be a thing. Uh. Anyways, let's move on to uh, Tari Eason. I, I love Tari Eason so far. He, he reminds me of a quicker and more athletic Mo Harkless. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I got to say, I, I between these two, uh, Tari Eason is uh, coming more up top for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the reason why I also say Mo Harkless, he's got a 7'2 wingspan, very long arms, yeah. and apparently enormous hands.
1: Oh, I I didn't hear about his hands.
0: <laughs> so so the measurement is that he ha- so his his uh his hands are nine nine point two five inches long. To give comparison, a uh, Kawhi is nine point seven five. Not that's not that that's not that much smaller. And so those are some huge hands. And you know let, let's start let's start with his defense because this is a defense heavy uh, pro, uh what's it called prospective draft pick. Um, great length, as I mentioned, seven to wingspan, very pretty good lateral quickness, not, not like lightning quick, but because of his crazy ass length can recover so well and just allows him to defend two through four and switch seamlessly to ones and twos and problems or ones and fives even, but, and, you know, guard them like part time. He's not like your primary defender on them, but like he can hold up for like, you know, maybe about two
1: or three minutes stints if you need him to. Yeah, and he competes pretty well on defense as well. Uh, I mean, thanks to the LSU defense, uh, they they play a lot of full court presses or even half court presses, whatever you call them. Uh, And, you know, it's a good experiment to see, I guess, if we are going to pursue that way, which I actually don't know. Are we Uh, uh, still consider presses in the near future?
0: Uh, probably not you you gotta you got well i I don't see it but like if you 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 need a good defense first and the kings don't have that yet like let's see what let's see what mike brown can do and let's see like what the uh, roster looks like well we don't know until like we see it i'm not really Mm -hmm. a believer in presses unless you have really high iq defenders on your team
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and i don't think that's the case unfortunately right now And we'll, we'll have to see what Mike Brown can muster out of this, but it, it I mean, it is something you can try and, mm-hmm. you know, with this crazy ass wingspan, great motor and, you know, great, great defensive instincts, like that could be a thing. But I mean, these aren't, these aren't college kids that you can pick on in the NBA for the most yeah. part. These are the top of the top NBA players. So it's going to be a lot tougher. Um, he, So as i mentioned he could switch seamlessly for um just in the pick and roll just like switch on to the role man switch on the ball handler absolutely seamless he has record block and uh steal rates so he had a he had a six percent steal rate or no six percent block rate uh this year at lsu seven percent in his freshman year and uh what college was he from i forgot
1: Uh, lsu
0: oh it was was both lsu oh i thought i thought it was
1: Tari eason
0: Yeah, Tari eason i thought he was like uh i thought he transferred that's why
1: oh geez i don't know the highlights were from lsu so but
0: anyways in his freshman season he had a seven percent block rate uh it, in this season at lsu he had six percent uh, he had a steal rate of 4.5 this year and a 3.4 last year these are you know record numbers just do- he has the elite physical tools, like, again, 7'2 wingspan, giant hands, but also it's paired with great defensive instincts to, you know, make plays on the defensive end. These are the best, num- like, steal rate and block rate numbers since Matisse Diebel. uh For comparison, Matisse had 8.1 steal and 6.6 block percentage, and I'd, and Robert Covington was another one, but I don't have his uh, percentages mm. in front of me.
1: Yeah, which is crazy to think because, I mean, with these highlights, it's hard to like determine uh, a player's defensive ability by just watching clips on clips. But if we watched, you know, his full on games, I mean, we'd get a better idea, but yeah, he really tries to get those uh, types of steals and, you know, tries to rip those balls out of the of offense's hands. And like you said, seven, two wingspan with big hands, he can do that. And I just searched it up. He did play for the Cincinnati Bearcats before I don't know.
0: I almost oh. said Bengals, but that, that's the football team, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways, yes. So as you just mentioned, like, it's nice to look at a, a bunch of highlights. Unfortunately, like dive deeper into the film. Like he can get a little overambitious, does gamble a lot. Now he will have to cut back on them because again, you're going up against NBA guys. These are not, you know, your, your college kids. And he's going to need to learn to chill a little bit, learn to pick his spots a little bit more uh, in terms of like when to go for the steal and when not that's going to come with maturity, but you know, he is going to be a guy that can make plays with the, with that wingspan and just mm. his physical tools. Um, another thing about his defense, just a bit of a nitpick is a bit foul prone. A- as I mentioned, just a very ambitious defender in terms of going for steals and blocks. And he has fouled out of six games and apparently one of them, he fouled out in seven minutes. So yeah, going to so need to dial, dial the aggressiveness back a little bit in the NBA.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty crazy, especially hearing uh, four and a half personal fouls per 40 possessions. That's a pretty, I would say, abysmal uh, amount of fouls that you could get in the college level. But who knows how it you know could translate into NBAs. I don't know if he's going to get, you know, the rookie treatment with the ref. So.
0: <laughs> Look, Jaron Jackson still fouls like a fucking mule. <laughs> like it, it, it happens. So like, as long as you can affect the game, like, and as long as you have like a de- good defense behind you, like that's not as big of an issue yeah. you can work through it. That, that's for sure. Um, he's a real, uh, let, let's move to his offense. Uh, he's a really, really good transition player, Gr- really good straight line speed. And because of his size and leg, he could go coast-to-coast really, like, well. And a lot of these coast-to-coast opportunities created by his defense because he is just such a disruptor on that end.
1: Yeah, and speaking about his, you know, driving and rim pressure, he is a strong physical driver. He is not not necessarily a freight train, but, you know, I, I guess a pretty fast car pretty fast big car i guess you could say uh he has pretty good handles and you know he gets to the basket pretty consistently as well
0: yes so like i mean i guess the comparison would be like whatever the hell vin diesel drives. sometimes like it, w- w- which one was the one they went up against uh jason statham uh was that six <laughs>
1: gosh i i don't know there's so many of those movies uh i,
0: I haven't i haven't watched one since seven i know that i know the rock redirected a missile in one of them i still haven't watched that one and whatever the hell nine is and you know let, 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 let's not talk about that too much but like he he is strong like you know he has a pretty like he's like kind of skinny looking honestly but like he has good wiry strength to just get into guys and because of just how physical he is he's actually a really good foul drawer um you know, like he is a guy that definitely puts pressure on the rim. We just mentioned how Dyson Daniels has no ability to really like blow by guys and put pressure on the rim. While Tari Eason isn't like, you know, De'Aaron Fox is the example. Like he's not exactly De'Aaron Fox in terms of getting by you. Like he does have a good first step and, you know, gets into guys and, you know, can finish at the rim at a decent rate, not great, but a decent rate. Um, he, You just mentioned he has great handles. I, he needs to work on it. It, It's a bit sloppy right now. And part of it is because he's really tall. Like Mm -hmm. that's just going to come. That's just going to come with just being a tall ball handler, but like, it's not a very tight handle. It's a bit loose and he's a bit right-hand dominant, which is surprisingly rare nowadays, like, you know, with how skilled players are like, that's going to be a problem if you can't finish with your, he has a very weak left hand and it's going to be a problem if you can't like find a way to finish more consistently with his offhand,
1: yeah, and it's you know mostly due to his spacing and you know <laughs> getting into traffic so easily that kind of deters his shooting. um If he kind of you know understands when to drive and you know when to pass out, I'm pretty sure he should be just fine.
0: But as it stands right now, he he had some Javel McGee moments in the hoop intellect video. Like there was one where he literally just threw the ball off the backboard like for no reason, and it's <laughs> it it. I mean like. That's good. That's great comedy. I laughed out loud when I was watching that video, but like, he's gonna need to tighten that handle. And of course, like he does, because of the loose handle, it actually leads to a a number of like issues like, you know, his head has to has to like, you know, look down for the ball, and he kind of gets a little bit of tunnel vision is because because of the loose handle like he then it gets into his decision making. And yeah it's a it's a cascading effect and a lot of it is just because of the handle and I believe that will get better over time. As it stands right now he, he's not a great ball handler in my mind and because he's so right-hand dominant like defenses are going to force him left and that is going to be a problem if he can't like you know just iron out his finishing his handle and just you know the just decision making in general.
1: Yeah and speak about turnovers he also needs to fix uh parts of his passing game he often doesn't think before passing and you know that also uh turned into turnovers um yeah he just needs to slow his pace down a little to you know get control of the floor uh, other than that you know his short passes seem just fine because you know it's short passes i don't know how you could miss those
0: well like the thing is like he has
1: some beautiful like passes like
0: he's shown flashes Like if he can just slow down a little bit, like right now, he's just he's a little too overexcited to try and score. And he gets a little bit of tunnel vision that that will iron out with like good with a good program, like good training, good practice and just, you know, maturing as a player. But again, as it stands right now, like he's he's just a bit sloppy and unpolished uh, right Mm -hmm. now. However, like the good things, as we mentioned, a physical ass driver gets a lot of free throws. Five point seven attempts—that's crazy in the, co- at like the yeah. college level. Um, he can be a role man, like for scores. He, not really a sh- like a short roll passer. Really, he's okay at it. But like he—he's actually he can actually function as the role man, like you know, work as a kind of a small ball five type. Um, you know, and he also like because he shoots he shoots a lot of free throws, like. He shoots 80% from the free throw line. It's a great, that's great.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, we do need a foul, uh, another foul drawer and he'd be pretty perfect for in this uh, circumstance since, you know, pretty strong driver and you know, just draw the foul, I guess.
0: And because of that, like um, free throw percentage, I have a lot. I have a lot of confidence that he's going to be a pretty good shooter.
1: Mm. Now, That was also kind of his, uh, I guess, weakness. His shooting's kind of, eh, it's it's kind of 50-50 in my opinion from what I've seen. Uh, But other than that, I mean, he's probably not going to shoot off the dribble much because that's his lowest percentage. But if he's, uh, you know, just a spot-up shooter, uh, you know, a catch-and-shoot kind of guy, I I think he'd be just fine. He shot about, what, 36% on about two attempts,
0: yeah so like yeah so the attempts are low but like the mechanics look fine like it it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Al Horford shot although I'll be a little bit smoother than like Al Horford shot granted Al Horford's figured out how to work with it but like it's like he shoots on the side it's a bit weird but it's nothing like broken or mechanic like mechanically wrong with it I think it's fine but like I think he's gonna be a good shooter like I think like 36% is his baseline
1: Mm, which is good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I really, I really like his game. Um, the, another just one kind of, it's kind of a nitpick, doesn't have much of an in-between game. Like he doesn't, he can't really pull up, as you mentioned, not a good pull-up shooter at all from anywhere on the court and doesn't have much of a floater either. So like while the floater isn't an efficient shot, it's good to have in your bag. And right now he doesn't have much of a bag. Just because not he's he's an okay finisher, not a great finisher, is a right hand dominant finisher, not a great three-point shooter, but he has a lot of interesting, intriguing characteristics that I really like. Again, the foul drawing, the physic, the physicality, and you know, the re, let's be honest, really, really, really great defense that he plays. Like, there's a lot to like about Tari Eason. And like, you know, if given an option between Dyson Daniels or him, I'm picking Tari every time.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like he'd be a slightly better uh, role player than Dyson uh, Daniels.
0: Yeah, and, like, he – I think he ranks probably probably number five at this point. Like, I would actually rank above, above Shane Sharp right now, honestly. Oh, really? Like, I wouldn't draft him with a fifth pick just because, like, I feel like you need to go for probably more potential in a Shane Sharp but like, I wouldn't be mad if you, you picked Harry Eason. I think he's going to be a terrific player.
1: Mm, I guess we shall see. I, I feel like he's more of a late tens, maybe pre-teens.
0: Well, the thing is, I don't think he's going to last till then. Is the thing uh, that—that's the problem. Like, th- there's way too much talent to
1: pass on him, in my opinion. I see.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's all I have uh, for the um, two draft picks. Again, I love Tari Eason. I like Dyson Daniels, but he's going to need to show more if the Kings are to draft him. And again, these guys are going to be tr- uh, trade down candidates because, you know, if you guys have listened to any Kings podcast lately, any Kings shows lately, you when you get the number four pick, you got to go, you got to go big. Which means you are gonna have to take Jaden Ivy if he is the one who falls to you. Shane Sharp, there's just too much unknown. I I'm not saying I'm cooling down on him, but like I'm I'm getting on the Ivy trade now. So that's just that's just where I'm at um as it stands right now. Um unless the Kings trade trade down, I don't see us drafting either one of these guys, but they have a lot of options. So let's see, you know, we have about two more weeks worth of just speculation and smoke screens. So we will see what happens until then.
1: Yeah, geez, two weeks <laughs> sounds pretty long, but go go by quick.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, one thing that kind of went by quick—that's uh, a transition for you. Uh-huh. Um, Warriors versus Celtics, game two. Uh, they happen Sunday. We haven't rec- we haven't recorded a podcast since. Do we record Saturday? I don't even remember. I think Friday. Friday. Well anyways the uh, game has happened. Uh Warriors beat the Celtics in game 2 after a just a devastating barrage in the, in the third quarter where like Steph Curry hit two crazy threes but like it was a team thing and then Jordan Poole just you know Exclamation point like at the end of the quarter, like two, two bait, two threes, one like, you know, from 28 feet, and then the next one from 40 feet to so basically put the like bury the Celtics, and they were never really close again for the rest of that game. Uh, what were your thoughts overall about the game?
1: Uh, sadly, I didn't watch the first half, but I came into the third half and they were firing hot. Uh, I want to say that the Warriors had like two or three different like runs during that quarter and like Boston had like, no answer at all to any of, uh, you know, either the Warriors offense or their own offense in some ways. Um, but yeah, it just felt like they just kept on hitting good shots and why uh, like, they just took, took control afterwards.
0: I mean, we got a shout out a little bit like Belly. Belly play minutes like he was out there guarding Jason Tatum and he was he did fine for the most part. I've always said his biggest asset like he's a smart defender, albeit with very, very slow feet, but he's long. He's smart and you know with a good defense behind him like he was able to kind of angle Jason Tatum into some tough like shots and like it was tough for like Tatum for most of the night like uh, unless he was shooting step back that was the only kind of look he could get because anytime he went to the rim it was tough no matter who was on even when like Jordan Poole was on him or like you know um Steph Curry was on him it was just tough for him like OK, so you you didn't watch the first half, but you missed the like just a Jalen Brown explosion in the first and second quarter. Like he hit threes on guys. He drove to the rim for and ones. He was absolutely unstoppable. But then and like that, I, of course, I never said this, so I can never prove this. But I always thought this was going to be a, an incredible matchup. Draymond on Jalen Brown. And Draymond put the, he, well, he didn't straight up shut him down, but he had some great possessions on him. And just the, like, Draymond is a guy that you can't bully because he's really, really strong. And especially if you're a wing, you can't really bully him. And that he has the, like, you know, the of course, he has like one of the highest uh, defensive IQs in the league. And also, like, he's not a guy you can really blow by easily. He has very quick feet. So you put him on a dream or you put him on a Jalen, and he was able to really like clamp down on Jalen and kind of took him out of the game for the rest of that game. He didn't really have much of a second half after that.
1: Yeah. Draymond was also kind of talking a smack a lot of time during this game as well. He should have been
0: ejected like 10 times during that game. He got the first tech and Draymond, Draymond knows what he's doing. <laughs> like he knows that the refs are not going to give him that second tech unless he does something really, really obnoxious. And he, like, he's out there, like, trying to, like, you know, get into people's heads. He, there was one play where he just put his foot, like, put his two feet onto uh, Jalen Brown to piss him off. That kind of led to a scuffle that should have been a technical foul, but it wasn't because he already had a technical foul. And then, like, just going out there, like, you know, shoving Grant Williams, getting into, like, the first play of the game, he got his hands all over Al Horford, just set the tone right away. And he he's playing a mental game right now and he he's get he's getting he's getting to the Celtics for sure
1: yeah i know some of his plays as well i was like man they're not they're not calling anything on him but i remember like he was just pushing guys away to, just for stuff to like hit a good free which he did uh man he, i remember he was just, it just it should have been like three separate moving sh- screens i would say
0: yeah but like at the same time i i just think like I mean, I'm I'm biased here. I'll admit. Like, I mean, the issue was Grant Williams getting stuck on screens. That that was that was why Steph was open. But yes, like Draymond pushing him sure. But why is Al Horford all the way back there? Why, why it's Steph Curry? Like, there was no one really. Like, I don't know. That that's just that was just how I looked at it. I thought it was a more of a fuck up on the defense. Granted, it it doesn't help that Draymond is getting away with a push. But why is Al Horford all the way back there? But that's, that's just how I like felt like it. And, but Draymond was amazing. Um, talk about defense, like Robert Williams, like I didn't think much of him, but like when I was at Miami series, I just remember like Jimmy Butler having so much issue finishing over him. And then this series, despite being pretty hobbled and like it looked like Marcus Martin, like basically ended a season when he fell on him. But like hmm. Robert Williams is a defensive p- difference maker. There was a play in the first game where Andrew Wiggins, like he's been great, like being an offensive rebounder. And you know, we remember the dunk on Luca. And he's had he has some tips, really nasty tip slams in that in that series, too. But there was a play where Andrew Wiggins is skying in for the rebound and about to tip slam the shit out of tip slam the shit out of that ball. And who comes up but Robert Williams to send that shit back? And that and that was a moment when I realized. This guy's a defense. This guy's a difference maker on the defensive end.
1: Mm, Sally didn't catch that, but I could see that in a way. I guess. Uh, I mean, he has shown his, uh, I guess, defensive prowess in uh, you know throughout this game. But sadly, I mean,
0: there was a play where Andrew Wiggins like got an offensive rebound and tr- and tried to go up, and Robert Williams smacked that shit out of bounds like easily. Mm. he is just so good and i really hope he is healthy because again he's a difference maker out there and like you know all good defenses need some sort of like versatile rim protector he's a rim protector and he's versatile so it's like it's a bit unfair honestly for the celtics to have him
1: mm, i see yeah I, sorry i can't really say much about him i don't recall too many uh defensive points from him
0: okay well let, let's see let's see remember this Remind me if are you a big Clay fan? Uh
1: I know my sister is.
0: Yeah, your sister is a big Clay fan. Was she watching the game?
1: I'm pretty. Yeah, she was.
0: Did she like? What does she think about how Clay has played?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Hearing my reaction, yeah, not so great.
0: <laughs> He's been bad, and like. Warriors fans are actually be very encouraged because the Warriors destroyed the Celtics in this game, and Clay was terrible. So mm-hmm. like you're gonna get a Clay game sooner or later, but like it, it is kind of it is kind of like painful to watch Clay, and you can even hear some groans at times, like when he's shot. Like basically, what I always say about Clay, he has a lot of fuck you. He has a fuck you mentality, and is great. Like in his prime, Game Six, Clay was bored from that legend because he took a lot of fuck you shots in game six of OKC. Now, for a lot of people, they probably don't remember, he started like one for four from three that game, and then basically only missed one three for the rest of the game. He took a lot of those fuck you shots, what we would call bad shots for literally anybody else, but he's not really that guy right now. And who knows, he might get back to it next year, but right now he's not that guy. He forces like a lot of shots, and he's just not making it. And, like, even in, even in garbage time when the game was over, Kerr, de- Kerr definitely put him in there just to let him just kind of, like, you know, get his rhythm back. He couldn't st- he couldn't score on Luke Cornette
1: Yeah. It's been bad. Yeah, I'm hoping, which I don't know. You think he'll have at least one? He, he will.
0: I, he, I guarantee he will.
1: He may have one, but I feel like he should delegate maybe some – uh, of his field goals away uh, from him, maybe shooting twelve shots in well, my opinion. Well,
0: here's the thing about him. I I just wish he wouldn't do any of the off the dribble stuff. As soon yeah. as he dribbles, I'm like, no, 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 no mid range, no mid range. The only only thing he should be doing, running around screens and pu- and just pulling up off a of catch and shoot. Like mm-hmm. if if he does that, that's fine. It's just that when he and whatever he puts like you know puts the ball on the ground he can't really get to the rim and even if he gets to the rim like the, the rim protection is so good like this is not a this is not going to be like a real it's not going to be a good shot so like i just think he needs to just cut down on some of the mid-range shots of uh, for me and off the dribble stuff and i think he'll be fine and he will have a big game and you know you know god forbid it gets to game six like we know who's coming oh but yeah he, he might be saving up for that one but
1: yeah <laughs>
0: and again it's it's encouraging that he played so terrible, and the Kings were the Kings. I wish the Kings would do this, but the uh, the Celtics got destroyed. So, yeah, I, I granted, like, uh, what's it called in Game One? Jason Tatum played like shit, and they and they destroyed the Warriors. So, one of these days, the you know the balance is gonna you know make. I guess it things are gonna come uh come back down to earth in some way, and Clay will have a decent game, and you know uh Tatum will have a decent game. Although mm-hmm. I think he played pretty decent this game too,
1: but you, you uh, get what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, like you said from uh, last episode, um, role players, Al Horford, uh, Marcus Smart, and Grant Williams. Not so, well, not Grant Williams, sorry, Robert Williams. And not so great in the offensive game this game as well, scoring two points each. And I like the segment with uh, Stephen A. Smith Uh where he just talks about how each of them only scored two points at their starters.
0: I mean, shrug, I guess. Like, Marcus Smart is going to be the key to the series. Al Horford is going to do what Al Horford's going to do. I don't think he's ever going to shoot six for eight. And also, like, I know he's shooting 46% from three in the playoffs, which is insane on four attempts a game. He's not really that. He really isn't. He's not a six for eight guy. He doesn't pull up much. And you know the the like. Let's be honest. The only adjustment that actually happened was, oh, Draymond. Yep, don't help off of him, please. Like just just stand there and just put a hand up. He will not shoot it if you're there. And that's all. Like Draymond did, really, <laughs> and it shut him down. He's not really that score. If that makes any sense, and. I think, I think game one is an anomaly, but if he goes like three, four, like two for three, like that's something, but I think this is a bad game from smart and bad game from Orford. And I think things will return to its balance. If, if you know, if you will.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, next game is going to be in the garden. So we'll see.
0: Speaking of like role players, like the, when I watch the warriors, like they just have guys that do li- little things like that just like you know hustle like they they box out for rebounds they fight for rebounds they get their hands on balls without fouling they hustle for the ball they hustle for loose balls guys like you know Otto porter like really good rebounder like good good like well he's not a great positional defender he's gotten lost quite a few times but he just seems to like know where to be to make plays and gp2 is just a menace on defense i love gp2 and then like steph like you know we talk about like you know the the shooting and all the crazy handles and stuff he's a good box out guy he's a good rebounding guy and he's got it he knows where to be and like just like warriors just have guys that like you know do the little things and the kings are kind of on their way to like doing that they have guys like Davion they have guys like Davy or um, Dante DiVincenzo like if we keep them like they're building to that, but like the Kings need to like get guys like an auto porter, like a GP2. And it's just it's it's incredible to watch the Warriors. They like they always seem to find these kinds of guys that can just make plays and know where to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a tall glass to ask, but uh yeah, these guys, I don't know how they find them. Well, I mean, there's all Porter, he just came, but like Porter's like GP2. I'm like, where do you get where do you get this guy? <laughs> I want this guy. And you know, with Steph, his defense has greatly improved. I'd say, like I, I was watching a game. He he walked uh, some guys down pretty well, and I was thinking, oh, this guy's gonna blow my stuff pretty easily. But no, he stuck with the guy really well.
0: Yeah, like you know, the, he gets a bad rep for being the guy that got you know that got hunted by James Harden and LeBron James, like in the playoffs. But like you gotta understand, people gotta understand. Like, your alternative is to go up up against Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Andre Godala, Klay Thompson. And, you know, know, if you're lucky, Kavon Looney. Like, who else are you going to hunt? Of course, you're going to hunt Curry. And Curry, again, is a good positional defender. He's a decent, he's a good enough on-ball defender that he's not going to just get destroyed. I remember in the 2017 finals, like, you know, Steph held up pretty well for the most part. And then I watched Kyrie go up against Ian Clark and literally scored on him every single possession. Like, Steph is a good defender. And, like, he's a smart defender. He knows where to be. So, like, you know, you got to give us some credit for being, like, you know, pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. All right. What, now, with all that said, uh, I want you to make a prediction. What do you think is going to happen in game three?
1: I'm going to say warriors win this game
0: okay yeah i'm gonna pick the warriors to win this game and i think it's gonna be a close game that they barely pull out
1: mm. yeah i'll say they <sighs> win within 10 points that's that's pretty generous i'd say
0: okay i mean i don't know how else to predict this i i think the i think the warriors are gonna take one and you know may maybe game four too because like uh, weirdly mm. enough boss is not a good home team you, you would
1: think with that crowd, but like, apparently, really not a good home team. It's weird. What, talk about getting close? I feel like Boston will get close in game four and at least, at least win one for their home. I think opinion.
0: so too. They're a tough ass team. Like, I, I said, Warriors in five, and that still could be a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen just because it's so. Like, Boston is a tough ass team. Like, I don't give them credit enough. Like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are nasty. Like, I've always said that but I always thought the role players were just not enough. Like there's such a huge drop off from them, from those two to smart and Horford and those guys, but those guys play their roles and they're tough. And like, they're, you know, that, those are some of the best defensive players, like in the league, like altogether. And, you know, again, Robert Williams, ter- gr- a defensive di- difference maker down there, Like They're a tough ass team and their defense is going to give them a chance. And they have two stars that can hit shots on command. So they're going to have a chance, and they're going to make – it's not going to – even if it does end in five, it's going to be a rough five-game series.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm still predicting in six with uh, Warriors winning at their home.
0: Okay. Well, that uh, is going to do it for the basketball portion. We're going to just quickly switch over to talk about some wrestling. So, Fong, I told you not to look this up. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about let's Cell. And one of the big stories was Cody Rhodes apparently went into that match with a torn pec, and Fong has not seen it yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to send him a, I'm going to send him a video right now, go and, go and click on that video. And I want, I want your reaction to it. uh, I just sent Fong the video.
1: Ooh, Wait, how did he do that? So apparently
0: he was weight training and uh, apparently just blew out his pec. And if you're, if you're asking why the hell did they let them wrestle on that? Apparently because it was fully torn, the doctor said he couldn't have made it worse and said, essentially, fuck it. (laughs) Like just wrestle on it. It, it, it It's like, you can't make it any worse. And, you know, Cody has said it was his call. So like, it was his choice ultimately. And, you know, don't blame the doctors for it, but you know, yes, he wrestled on that. And apparently, it was an amazing match. I've not watched the match in full. It they had it was a pretty crazy, like match from what I saw. And yeah, all the respect to Cody for that. For you know, doing doing what he did.
1: Yeah, gee, I I don't know what kind of injury that or what kind. of, Yeah, I don't know how it feels. It was what I'm trying to say, but it looks terrible. It looks like. Ew.
0: It almost I like I'm pretty, i pretty. I I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's not. It almost looks like that he went to the makeup artist to paint that. Like that's how bad it looks. But, yeah. For those of you that that haven't seen it, just go on WWE's YouTube channel and look for the video called Cody Rhodes Reveals the Scars of Battle. I'm pretty sure you'll find it. It is a giant ass bruise, basically, on his uh right chest and kind of arm area.
1: Yeah. Hopefully he can move with that because it looks. I mean. To me, it looks like an injury that you can't move your like right arm at all, and you know, b- being your chest, I mean, every bump you hit it probably would hurt, right? Mm-hmm.
0: They had some spots related to that injury too. That that it looks brutal. It looks uh, like there was I think there was one where Seth kind of was pushing a cake stick on it, so
1: I don't
0: I don't think that was fun.
1: Yeah, that's probably why he was laughing in this uh, intro.
0: And also uh, he will be out for seven months <laughs>
1: at, what? At, the least,
0: at the late at the least. Yes.
1: We're talking about Cody Rhodes.
0: We are talking about Cody Rhodes.
1: Oh my gosh. She's okay.
0: You know what? He, he, he does things to be loved uh, by, by the fans. I mean, respect him Would I do it. No, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm, he, he is no mortal man.
1: I'll just say that. Yeah. Jesus.
0: Okay uh after that um yeah so that's basically gonna be the end of the end of the podcast uh yeah uh do you have anything
1: else you want to talk about before we end this one jesus are you laughing about the tickle in i don't know what i'm laughing at anymore (laughs) okay uh not really but kind of excited for game three which is i want to say it's tomorrow right it is tomorrow so yeah tomorrow 5 p.m uh no Sorry, what am I saying? 6 p.m. Hopefully I could watch most of it because uh well we'll see.
0: Okay. Well I'll I'll be I'll be here to watch it. And uh I don't know what we're gonna or who we're gonna do next episode. We'll probably do it at some point, but uh yeah, uh as it stands right now, uh we are both predicting the Warriors to win game three. Uh and yeah, that's all we have uh, for this episode. If you don't have anything else, uh, let's let's call it, let's call it right now. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll, again, I'll have to workshop ideas on what to do for the next episode other than Warriors uh, versus Celtics game three. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, we'll definitely try and come up with something to talk about.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys later.